0: If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's heretic happy hour.
1: You know, there's only so many hours in the day. You know, you 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 have your wife, your kids, your husband, your 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 work, your job. You know. There's a whole lot of things kind of vying for your time. And the fact that you, my friends, have decided that you are going to sit down and listen to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, let me tell you, it means a lot to us. And I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And our job as hosts and co-hosts here, as a fellow host, whatever you want to call that, all of us here at the Heretic Happy Hour, um, we are we take this seriously. And so we want to do our best to uh, to inform you, inspire you, entertain you. And so, uh, pour yourself a drink, sit right back, as the song says, and prepare yourself for one awesome episode in our uh, ongoing series, Shit the Bible Says. Uh, we have a very special episode uh, in store for you today. My name is Keith Giles, and I am one of uh, four co-hosts here on the Heritage Happy Hour. I'm the author of the Jesus Un-series, including the recently released Jesus Unforsaken, Substituting Divine Wrath with Unrelenting Love, and I am joined by my Incredible co-hosts Matt, Derek, and Katie, and they are about to tell you all about themselves.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Katie Valentine. Uh, maybe Keith. Maybe we can give ourselves the label of workers in Christ together.
1: Co- co-workers in Christ. Co-workers
0: yes. in Christ. Matt grown. and Derek are rolling their eyes at me right now. So I'll abandon that title. Happy <laughs> to be here as well. And after that great introduction, I love, Keith, how you paired our the seriousness w- with which we take our listeners, which we absolutely do, with the title of the series, Shit the Bible Says. That's right. It pairs very nicely together. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, and I am Derek Day. I am happy to be here among this Happy host of Heretics. I am also the author of Deconstructing Religion. Got a couple of other books in the hopper. I'm also the founder and host of the Forward Podcast. And I've been meaning to give this a shout out, and I haven't, but I'm going to give it a shout out today, that I'm a co-host of Freeology Friday with Aaron Tomlinson, and we air live on Facebook every Friday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern
3: Time, figure out the rest of the fucking time zones for yourself. You can't, you can't have people do that. We can barely do it on our end, Derek. Right. Are you, I don't know if we're going to give the listeners that much credit. I'm just playing. Is, is that a
2: silent slam?
3: That, I, I, that I, is. I, I, did, I felt that, man. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I am Matt De Stefano, author, and of uh, many books. I write for Pathos. I used to have multiple podcasts, but now I don't because you know what? I just want to devote my time to this show, this wonderful show. And Keith, when when you were doing a little intro there and, and listening, you know, you've got your your wife, your kids, your job, and you spend time with us. It made, it made me think of this video I just watched. There was a, a footballer from England, and I don't know, he won some sort of. Uh, or he was somewhere in Europe, he won some sort of uh, uh, award and he said, I'd like to thank my wife, my girlfriend. <laughs> uh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta you gotta look that up. It's uh it's so good. But anyway, happy to be here. And uh my, my the producers in my ear are saying don't don't it, don't be pretentious, it's called soccer, Matt. Well, you know what? We are it, a global it, podcast and this is fucking I football.
0: football. I support right, the football term. Football. It is Jesus. football Jesus.
3: It's football. Thank you. Yeah. To all of our European listeners.
0: And we both, love our both
3: European them. listeners. <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: both of them. Yeah. All three of them, yeah.
2: <laughs> and, of course, if you want to connect with us on a more intimate, personal, not sexual, level, you can feel free to reach out to us by using Finger Dexterity and dialing 240-343-7379. Once again, 240 343 7379. And it looks like we have a message from our Patreon supporters. So, can we roll that beautiful Patreon text footage? And it reads Thanks for your work. I'm thoroughly entertained by your bantering, irreverence, and humor. That's humor with O U R for you. Canadians and Europeans. (laughs) You've restored a degree of sanity to my mind in the midst of my deconstruction. Other fun fact, cussing also increases endorphins. You're goddamn right it does. (laughs) Psychologists generally agree that it can actually be good for you, and he presented a link, which we're not going to give because it is not given paid consideration because we are semi-capitalists at our core. Thanks for allowing yourselves to be human and sticking with the brand, guys. <laughs> that
0: is the message. That's the text. We are happy to increase everyone's mm. endorphin levels Yeah, as many times as possible. And I do have to remember when I post an episode in my Facebook group, I always try to remember to say it's a little yeah. salty. yeah. <laughs> Enter, enter if you have virgin ears. I've up. Don't you know listen, what I mean? But... I don't even bother anymore
1: because I figure at this point people kind of already know, at least my, my followers already know. Um, they're either offended by it or they're not. And uh, I just let people self. I, self you know, uh, I just say, listen,
2: if you, if there, there is so much shit that goes on in the world that if you're not troubled by that as being ostensibly a follower of Christ, but you're troubled by the word fuck. Then that is your
0: problem, not ours. Yeah. Darius, like, listen, fuckers. <laughs> That's That's right. what listen, listen. No one's been harmed
3: by hearing a cuss word. And then I mean, so if you hear it and you're like, oh, I can't <laughs> handle this, you, you know where the pause button is. You know where the unsubscribe button is. That's okay. It's okay. None of us. I'm not going to speak for y'all, but I know that I'll speak for y'all now. I don't think any of us are going to be offended (laughs) if someone like uh, doesn't want to listen any longer. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay.
2: In the words of Chris Tucker, I don't give a fuck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, after 110 episodes, I think if I was offended, I you would have known it by now. So no, I'm not offended.
3: No, not at all. I will say I don't know what this um what this link says from Psychology Today, but I have heard in addition to releasing endorphins that people who cuss are generally more trustworthy and honest. So more more intelligent too. That's right. You're goddamn fucking right, Derek. And
1: and better looking. They're also better looking, and they're better in bed. Yep. I, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree I, with all of that. You know,
0: it's like <laughs> it it's one of the first things to actually deconstruct. Hmm. Right. The kind of langu- like feeling freedom mm-hmm. with language and feeling freedom to express yourself in all of these different kinds of ways. And, uh, actually, I think cursing is like kind of an important part of that. Uh, it, for- certainly on my journey, it was like when I felt the freedom to just like say whatever the hell I want no, to No, actually,
3: let me
2: say something, Katie. It's, it's not, it's else? not cursing. Yeah. It's cussing. It's really important. It's, it's a very it's, important it's distinction because see, if I curse you, I say I That's hope true. you die. That's a curse, right? right? right. That's a if, personal if, attack, yes. If I swear, I say, hey, swear to God, swear on the Bible, right? But if I'm cussing, I'm just motherfucking going at it. It's a big difference.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is. If you think about it, it is psychological. I know I'm going to read that article later. Uh, after the I am podcast. too. <clears throat> because I am fascinated about psychologically where this comes from. Because you know, if you think about it, it's like there are certain phonetic sounds that if you say them with your mouth people will get really offended and it's odd to me like why is that why is it i can make certain noises or sounds with my mouth and if i do that people will get really you know offended and emotionally disturbed like they're just words man i don't understand this it doesn't make any sense to me like it's only because you have decided whoever you are i don't want to be insensitive but it 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 just seems weird to me it's like it's like you, the reason you're offended is because you decided that you were going to be offended when you heard those words. So when you heard those words, guess what? You got offended. But that's all you. That's all on you. You made up your mind to do it, and then you did it. But that has nothing to do with anybody else. They're just, it's just a word.
3: It's just a word. They're not magic incantations. Anymore. What's funny is that <laughs> people people who don't cuss— they replace the word with something else. So instead Gosh. of god they say, Gall dang, they say galdang or frickin'. And it's right. like it's the same right. fucking thing. Except I mean, hey, except Jesus, culturally,
2: Jesus knows that you're cussing, but he, he thinks you're a pussy.
0: Wait, <laughs> 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 I I grew up with uh, my best friend growing up was uh, very. Her family's very devoutly Catholic, and they had like no qualms about cussing, but they tried to rein it in in front of us. And I, it was really funny because I her father would be like God. Like so i do that quite a lot also i'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll right. substitute quite a lot but you know keith like, they are words but like words are powerful sure. yeah. like you're a no. writer we're all writers here we know that words yeah. are very powerful and like when like when we're all when we're all cussing we're pretty I, I don't want to say all the time but pretty much we're it's playful um it's it's for emphasis we're not cussing right. at one another
1: right and i think that's that's, that's derek's point you know it's different if if in other words if we were having a conversation about something and i disagree with matt which happens right and uh, we all disagree on this podcast that's one of the things i love about it we we can disagree and still love and respect each other but let's say we were in a, in a middle of a conversation and when there was a disagreement and all of a sudden i started saying you know fucking Matt, like, fuck you. Like, okay, now that's different. It suddenly has shifted from, I'm using that word, but now I'm using it against another person. And I'm trying to like, use it in a kind of like a violent, forceful way. Like, I hate you. I'm against you. I don't like you. Now that's, to me, that's really different. And we, that's not the way we use
3: language on this podcast.
0: Matt looks enthralled by this possibility. Like I saw hey. Matt's fight face.
3: The funniest thing Derek coming. said on this podcast was, fuck you, Matt. It was like the first episode we did something together That's and it, nice. was so, it was so dead and funny. <laughs>
0: but
2: anyway, here's the thing. It's all, it's all, it's all love. It's all family because the, the thing is, yes. a, a, you know, anybody that knows both Matt and I know that we really love and respect each other.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yes,
3: yeah. exactly. That's why I, I always laugh when people get offended on someone's behalf. It's like, you don't know my relationship with this person. So why are you offended on, on their behalf? That makes no sense. <laughs>
0: So Sam, uh, Sam is who wrote in with the nice notes. So Sam, we really took like one little part of your note <laughs> and expounded on it for about the past 10 minutes. That was really fun. But thank you actually for writing in. Um, and we're so happy that we can be part of your journey and that uh, we've restored a degree of sanity to your mind in the midst of your deconstruction. That's awesome. Uh, we're pleased to be part of that. Um, so yeah, thank you for writing in. Anyone else with lovely things to say? please. Type them. At exercise your finger dexterity, yeah, like sure. Derek says. Exercise your fucking finger <laughs> you know,
2: dexterity. You know, I, I gotta say this. This is make something that gives me great joy. Is that I'm part of the corrupting influence on Katie Valentine? <laughs> <laughs> I, I said. I said part of it. I theory? don't. I don't claim. Don't I, claim all credit. Matt <laughs> no. has definitely done his share. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: By, by my increased uh, vocabulary, I just had to get over the, over the fact that like my grandmother may yeah. listen to this, but grandma, she yeah. knows me. She loves me. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. So my, my cursing banner flag, flag flies high uh, when out and about around the house. <laughs> so Awesome. Well, are we ready to um, turn to our very, very special heretic of the week? Yet again, we are calling in someone uh, from the distant past. From the great beyond. Yeah, this person is here to give us a lot of fiery insight into how we have all come to be the heretics that we are. He's going to tell us about his influence, and we're very delighted to welcome this heretic. It's the
2: heretic of the week. Hello, everybody. I am Miguel Rivas Cervedo. You may know me by my anglicized name because white people do that, <laughs> Michael Cervetus
3: Oh, Michael Cervetus. man! Oh, First... hi, Miguel. Hi, Miguel. <laughs> hi,
0: Miguel. Yeah, I'm I just...
1: <laughs> I was so enthralled. I almost forgot. I just want to say, yeah, I'm so shocked here. First of all, I want to say, Miguel. I am so sorry, man. I mean, I just feel so bad for you. Uh, when I first heard the story of what happened to you, I just wanted to say, you know, I mean, I guess in the spirit of what, what we've been saying up before you, you jumped on the interview here, um, fuck John Calvin. That just really sucks what happened to you, man. I'm so sorry.
2: Yeah, you know, that that's
1: uh, a maxim.
2: I live by fuck <laughs> the John Calvin. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you have a tattoo probably, yeah. Fuck him with the biggest glass of the dick. <laughs> is it is it too much? Is it too triggering to ask what what happened? What happened in that story? Because you know you know there's there's no Servetusans. There's Calvinists now. So you know. It, Dead men tell no tales. So I, I, we've gotten John Calvin's side, and, and I want to get your side. You,
2: you, you see, this is where you're mistaken, my friend, because uh, uh, there are Savadians. They simply don't go by that name and because uh, because they don't want to meet the same fate that I did. <laughs> that, that's
1: smart. That, that's, that makes you see, a lot of
2: sense. They, they, they call themselves Unitarians. <laughs>
0: Been tracking this, but I'm I'm super curious. Why would people call you a heretic? Well, uh, is it Katie? Katie? Is that it? Yeah,
2: Katie. Or, you can, you can call uh, me Kati. Kati, if you, Kati want. Uh, you, you have a most sexy voice. I, I must say that first, first and foremost. Uh, but it,
0: John Calvin, I was
2: a, I, I was a post. John. And look and look, look! I'm I'm going to stop liking you, <laughs> and, and and I may forget that you're a lady and kick your ass.
0: <laughs> come come on, go Servito.
2: Oh, I was a post-renaissance renaissance man. I was classically educated in the in the Castilian tradition. Uh, my parents wanted me to be a musician, but I I, I went for the medicine. And I became a physician of note. I was uh, a physician to a a Roman bishop, and uh, and I studied and surveyed the human cardiovascular system. And I was a physician of great note. But then, my love for the Lord, El Señor, it caused me to step. My toes into what you call theology, and as you know that that if you step your toe in a dog shit, i uh, you uh, a part of you dies, and uh, unfortunately
1: for me, it was the biggest part of me that died. It was <laughs> yeah, it was the, the me part, the me part. Yes, that that's the biggest. That is the most important part, probably that died. So um yeah it seems like the biggest as far as I remember anyway the the two biggest things were like you denied as you said you denied the Trinity and
2: you oh, also were not, you weren't yeah you weren't a you God weren't. in three persons where do they get this shit
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, I am totally with you yeah. actually on that yeah your influence continues like in me and my tradition I'm, yeah I'm not quite there and um and also you weren't a fan of infant baptism
1: right you, no, you kind no, of felt no. like that was not a good idea.
2: No, 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 no! The baby is innocent. What the fuck does the baby have to be baptized for? <laughs> it's a baby, right? Doesn't even know it's, it's happening. It's a to baby. It. And what really pisses me off are these. I, I get to see your YouTube. YouTube oh, wow. And so you yeah, Wi-Fi up in heaven. I, yep. We have the we have the best Wi-Fi in heaven. <laughs> and I, I watch the YouTube videos of the priests. Dunking the baby, dunking, 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 and the baby is traumatized. They don't think of the long term effects of the baby. You don't even dunk grown. If you dunk a grown man like that, you'll get your ass kicked.
3: <laughs> during during COVID, I don't know if you have COVID up in heaven. Probably not. But they're they're squirting him with uh, squirt guns. So that's how they're baptizing him from afar. Yes,
1: because yes,
2: so yeah, like, we, we modified that. We we do have water guns in heaven, by the way. They're really great ones, yeah. Much, much fun. I, 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 I squirt, a uh, squirt to John Calvin all the time, but I, I fill it with piss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! So yeah, uh, this feud, feud seems to still be ongoing. Yes uh I, you know in in heaven uh, heaven
2: doesn't necessarily mean harmony it it means that we that we are all in a in a happy place of our own and uh and, and my happy place is, is trying to destroy john calvin <laughs> because the son of the son of a bitch he served me a steak at sunrise that gave me heartburn
0: <laughs> oh that's beautiful what what took you? What, yeah. What? What took you to Geneva? Like, what was your? What was your end game there?
2: Well, you see, we didn't have a internet back then, <laughs> and, and so when when a letter comes and says that you're being summoned uh, before the, uh, the the John Calvin Tribunal, uh, well, you answer because the John Calvin was a very influential. He, he had much, much, much influence. And in, in, in what we call Europa, and and, and so I, I went there to defend my thesis, that is that, that 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 the father is not divided. and And so going, I was actually on my way to Italy. I was headed to the church in Rome. And, and somehow I got this, uh, this message that John Calvin, he wanted to have a, he, he wanted to have a sit down with the, uh, with the church families. And, uh, he had, he had, he had invited me as a, as a head of the family. And he was, he was showing me the due respect in the, in the letter. But th- then I, I turned my wagons around and I headed to Geneva. And the rest, as they say, is history.
1: Well, um, I, I hate to change the subject, but uh, there's just something else about your story, uh, Miguel, that I think is fascinating. I'd love to hear it from you because it's a bit of a mystery about you, um, because um, when you died, you were an older man for for the time. I mean, uh, people live a little longer now, but at the time you were around 42 years old. And um, I know there was some mystery concerning your sexuality, because even though you're in your late, you know, well, early 40s, um, you had never been married and i know um some people began to question your sexuality because of that and at the time i, I believe if i'm recalling correctly y- your response to the reason why you had married deep into your 40s was that um was that you had an uh, hernia of some kind it sort of prevented you from sort of having sexual intercourse or something but I, is that truth or is there something to do with your sexuality i know this is too personal let me know but i'm just i know this is part of your story no, you, you
2: know I, I know many many Historians have questions, and, I, and I'm happy to answer that. And, and a gentleman never kisses and tells. I and I, I, I will say this: that that uh, because of my beliefs and because of uh, some other things in my life, that uh, I, I, how you say I've been kicked in the nuts a few times. <laughs> yes, and and so that 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 gave me some uh, some challenges. But I, I will say this: that it 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 will make some happy for me to say that I like the boys as I like the girls. And, and, and some people would be very disappointed by that. And then some people might be disappointed to find that I was like, uh, your, uh, your American hero, uh, Will Chamberlain, uh, you know, that, that perhaps, uh, I, I, I was a little, uh, Prolific li- liberal or prolific uh, with the yes. ladies. Uh, uh-huh. You see, so, so no, the gentleman never kisses and
1: tells, especially the Castilian man. Yes, that, that, so that shall remain a mystery.
0: I think Mary Magdalene would support you in mm. that right to privacy. You know, yeah. About yeah, your that personal Mary details. Magdalene,
2: boy, she's a fucking pistol. I love,
3: I love, <laughs> she's I love, I love
2: the you. conversations with her, and,
3: and she's so fucking hot. <laughs> well, we Tonight- just had her on, Michael. We just had her on.
0: I, she she
2: might I'm a man, I, you know. we we didn't have the what do you say the politically correctness.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, maybe that's what Jesus. That's why Jesus liked her so much. Maybe she was pretty hot. Yeah, you know that 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 Jesus was uh, was quite a ladies' man. Wow! Uh, wow. Now, now you're now you're dishing a little bit.
2: I, I'm sorry. Uh, Those that, 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 Please forgive me. I, I I don't want to to kiss and tell of the savior. You know, he uh he's a, let's just say he's a good man.
3: All right. Do you think he'd come on the show? Could you ask him for us? Oh, we'd love to get Jesus on the show. I That'd I be something. I think I think that that is definitely
2: in what we call the realm of the possible. And, and I think that that having him on your show would settle a lot of theological debates. Once and for all. Because if, if Jesus could just speak his mind and, 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 and maybe talk about what he actually wrote down.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, is he working on a book? Because we've been waiting for that for a long time. Which, which is, it's, yeah, like nothing. It's in the Vatican archives. <laughs> oh, damn
0: it. You know, I thought so.
3: I knew it. <laughs> we, were, we were hoping he'd publish with choir. but, um, yeah. <laughs> but there,
0: there, was, there was the one little phrase in the dirt. But I think it's the wind has blown it away by now. Probably. You know what? I,
2: I could tell you what it what it actually said. You, 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 you dirty sons of bitches! <laughs> Which one of you is without sin?
3: Well, oh, there you go. Mystery solved. And then John Calvin stood up and said, "I am here, Lord." Well, I'll take it from and here, John Calvin.
1: <laughs> I'll take I'm, it from here,
2: Jesus. I, 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 I load my super soaker with piss for
1: him (laughs) well i'm sorry to hear you haven't you have you guys haven't made peace uh even now all these years later but you know who knows maybe down the road i'll barely i'll barely the hatchet in his pointy little head but (laughs) unfortunately
2: we're in heaven and no one dies is urine flammable it depends on the urine (laughs)
3: how much whiskey have drinking?
2: But now that you mentioned it, Patty, I think that I may give that a try.
0: Happy to give ideas to the uh, to the hereafter. Yeah. Well, you know, the next time you're,
1: uh, your are you're piss in John Calvin's eye, just give him a squirt for me. Listen,
2: let me say something to you. I, I want you to make sure that that heretic Happy Hour podcast goes and kicks every Calvinist in the nuts.
1: We're doing our best, my friend. Because of that the doctrine. It, 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 it deserve it to die. I'm working on it. The we're flaming all death. It. In our own way, we're all doing our best to kind of put it to death. So I know. We'll, and we'll, that's we'll why I'm here. We'll do our best down here. You do your best up there between the two of us. Maybe we'll uh, we'll wipe it out. I'll,
2: keep, I'll get
3: there.
1: keep pissing in my super soaker. <laughs> all right.
3: Thanks well, for coming on.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Miguel. Gossius. Wow, that was amazing. I don't know. You know what? This has been so great uh, channeling these uh, these people from the great beyond. It's
0: interesting to learn that our fourth that, class that, that the grudges past.
3: are held for hundreds and hundreds of years up in heaven.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? Why move on quickly? You have all you have yeah, eternity.
3: Go on. You don't want to rush the there's, process?
0: There's no reason to like. Hey. Yeah. You don't have just like yeah, seventy five years a to get over it. Yeah, it takes you know, <laughs> you know?
1: It takes a while to get over some things. Run, run out the clock on that. Did,
0: did you all see the? Did you all see the Palm Springs movie? Kind of the Groundhog's Day movie of like twenty. I think it was twenty twenty. It was the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's really really good. It's fun, but the. Um, it's a time loop kind of movie, kind of sort of Groundhog Day ish, but the grudges last for a long time and they can replay in a thousand different ways over the course of a day. So I highly recommend it. It was one of my favorite pandemic uh, distractions. Time to check it out. I will too. Same can be true in heaven, I presume. Apparently, as, well. as we're all working our way towards That's perfection. Right. That's
3: right. me, I'm, well, I'm already perfect. Well, we know this, but but Servetus isn't. So there you go. <laughs>
0: The rest of us have a little uh, atonement. Is
3: this the uh, is this the last episode? Are we into the uh, the final the batting cleanup I think, episode well, today? We, are we, we talking? Are we talking animals? Talking talking animals?
0: Yeah. So this is. This yeah so this was my kind of choice my my topic for the day I thought it might be, be fun for us to explore talking animals there's there's quite a few examples in the Bible but the two that are the most prominent are of course the serpent in Genesis three and then the talking donkey in Numbers twenty two uh, they come up a lot uh, there's other more minor examples of kind of talking uh, animal or animalistic figures but. Uh, those are the two fun. So which which one should we start with? Should we talk with start with donkeys or snakes?
3: Let's start with snakes since it starts at the, right when you open your Bible. It's pretty uh-huh. early on. That's I'm tired watching.
0: of right. all these snakes in the garden. These
3: snakes it's motherfucking snakes and this
1: motherfucking garden. These
3: motherfucking snakes in this it's, it's, motherfucking it's garden. motherfucking
1: snakes, Keith.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson starred as Adam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. I am sick and tired of these motherfucking snakes in <laughs> this motherfucking garden. <laughs> <gasps> or Samuel L.
2: Jackson could be God. <laughs> be good. I I, th- I think he'd be a better god than Morgan Freeman, actually. That would be I'd like to see that
1: version of Bruce Almighty. That would be interesting. <laughs> it
0: could work. It could work. Well, yeah, what's the what's what's the best place to start? This story is obviously um super important in in Christian theology, and we can't break it all down. I know we talked about this quite a few episodes ago, and I was uh, I can't remember the exact episode. It is not coming to mind. But I, I was I talked a little bit about kind of my take on the story borrowed from Marcus Borg about this not being a story about sin, et cetera. So we can we can definitely talk about that. But yeah, I'm kind of curious what's everyone's what's the um evangelical, non heretical version of the story, like this the snake, the role of the snake in the story, and then it's maybe the we can devil. break it down.
3: It's the devil.
0: Yeah, which is yeah.
1: Supposedly, this is the even though it says it's a talking snake. No, it's actually Satan. I guess pretending to be the devil or possessing the devil, or I mean, not the devil, possessing the snake or pretending to be a snake or taking the form of a snake somehow and uh, beguiling Eve and and uh, asking, did God really say that if you do this, you will die and and uh, of course tempting her to do the horrible thing of eating this uh, forbidden fruit. And um and yeah, so am I missing anything? That seems pretty straightforward, right? It's it's well, Satan what, is, what, is it
2: thing, I don't think that it was a snake at all. I think that it was a talking lizard, probably like a monitor lizard or something like that. Because after after tempting Eve, it said that God cursed him and said that he would crawl on his belly forever. So that it kind of
1: insinuates that he may have had legs. It's like a reverse evolution. Exactly. Or, or, I don't know, or maybe it is evolution. Maybe they start with legs and then they end up without legs or they... Start off uh, without legs and they end up with legs. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, like at some level, it does seem like an origin story, is explaining the origin of why snakes don't have uh, don't have feet, don't have legs. Um, and I'll and I'll say, I think part of the reason I'm fascinated by this story in general, um, in general, is just a really important story, and I do find it fascinating. I'm also terrified of snakes, like absolutely terrified, petrified, bad phobia. I'm um, so bad that when I was in elementary school, I was allowed to skip the unit on reptiles every year because I got like too freaked out by the pictures. Um, And so part, I, I think like uh, a lot of humans fear snakes. I'm not the only one. And so that fear, I think, gets imported into the story. Uh, and so I'm actually working to change my relationship with snakes because I think they're fascinating creatures. They don't deserve my, they deserve my respect. They don't deserve my yeah. level of phobia. I think and
1: that's, a great, yeah, that's a great point, Katie. I mean, because obviously uh, my opinion is that it is a story. Um It's a, Like a, you know, a fable or a folktale or something. And it's, I think it's a very primitive um, story of trying to understand why is the world the way it is? God couldn't have made it this way because there's a lot of death and killing in the world and, and, uh, and evil. And so God must have made it originally without that stuff. So how did it get in the world? Well, it must have been our fault. And then we have to somehow also make it the devil, you know, the, the, the enemy or the, or, or an animal. That does evoke fear uh, and suspicion, right? So that's why uh, I think that's why a serpent is chosen because it's not a bunny rabbit. It's not a little kitty cat or a puppy. Like, you, you know, on purpose, when you're telling the story, you choose an animal that people would sort of revolt, or have a revulsion against and be like, oh, yeah, I hate those things. Me and a snake. Yeah, a scorpion or a spider or a snake or something, right? Um, I think that's very much on purpose. But To me, it's just a story, and it drives me crazy how many times I hear Christians, sometimes even progressive Christians, still talk like, Yeah, but what do you think Adam and Eve, when they did this? And what do you think of, you know, what about happened with when Cain moved over here and did this thing? And I'm like, you know, this isn't like real, right? It's a story. It's, um, it didn't really happen that way. I don't think that's, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think this is telling us a real story of real people who really did these actual things. It's a, it's a, it's a story trying to make sense of something.
3: Yeah. I, I find it interesting that, um, you know, when I talk to some Christians, they'll, you know, they take a more literalist approach and they'll say, well, well, I'll ask, well, what evidence is there that snakes talk and, and do these things? And they say, well, not now, but it could have happened then. It's like, well, you, sure. But isn't <sighs> It's like literalism has this level of truth, right? This 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 depth of truth, but allegory can go way deeper than that. And 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 just because something isn't literally true doesn't mean that there isn't much more truth that we can glean from it. So, I know Katie, you've introduced your understanding of what the snake might represent in a, in a past episode, and and obviously I. Let's uh, you know, if you could refresh our memories, because I don't remember that episode. But I I think it is an allegory for desire. It's it's an allegory for um, you know, it it's like what happens when we are told we can't have something. It's like it perpetuates this this my well, it's his fault, no, it's her fault, no, God, you did this, no, you sent the one. It's this it's what happens when human beings Want something, desire something, and then we can't have it because there's this prohibition on it, and it drives our desire even more. And I think it's a great allegory for that. I I don't personally like snakes, but I don't want them to become like I, I want to I, I still want to read it in light of Genesis one. Everything is good. So the fact that the snake comes along, well, why I don't want to see snakes as bad per se. I just don't want them in my house or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, out know there. just like, there's a lot of, things like that, you know? it, so, that. Yeah. but there's, they still have a purpose. They're still good in that way, in the, in the way that like the, the universe is really creative. The world's very creative. There's a lot of species and I'm cool with them being one of them. I don't get like flies and mosquitoes, why they exist, but I can understand why snakes exist, I guess. They eat mice. That's one thing. But, yeah, we need you, to know, I, you know,
2: in in the light of all this shit, the Bible says that we've been discussing, and we discuss biblical porn. I'm going to throw something out there, and and, and mind you, I'm Just not don't throw, it I, ground, Just don't uh, throw it on the ground,
3: Derek. Just don't throw it on the ground. Not, I'm, I'm
2: gonna, I'm not gonna throw it on the ground. But I'm not, I'm not totally yoked to this. I'm not totally married to this. But I'm gonna throw it out here because it's it, it's food for thought, and it's funny, and it's this. That the, that the talking snake represents a penis. It's like the prequel to Ezekiel 23. It's the talking penis. Well, if you were. Yeah, baby. It was, mean, that, that was the seduction. I mean, because, I mean, honestly, why is a woman bothered? Why would a woman be troubled by a
1: snake, honestly? See, I almost, I almost wish you were right about that because then we could actually flip it around and not, instead of it being Eve's fault, now it is a man's fault. It absolutely is. That would be better. But, uh, I don't yeah,
0: no. So I do think, I do think there is, uh, well, snakes are, have deeply masculine imagery and they have deeply feminine Im- uh, imagery all at the same time. Uh, so I think snakes are fascinating in that sense. So they're, they're phallic because of their shape. Uh, but they're also feminine. Um, they can, they can form circles, uh, with their bodies and they shed their skins. And they, they have this kind of image of eternity with them too. So they're complex animals. Um, You know, Keith, I want to take something you said and maybe, its the right word, um, build on that or or tweak it a little bit, which you call this story a primitive story. I, I do not see it as a primitive story at all. I see it as a deeply archetypal story. And like Matt, I see this as a story that is talking about desire, but I don't think that the author of this story sees that desire as a bad thing. I think this author sees desire as a good thing, that... The, the tree uh, that the snake talks to the woman about, um, and this is in chapter three, verse uh, four, the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. So in my um, interpretation, which I'm borrowing other people, this is not original to me, but this is a story where the serpent is the catalyst for human growth. It's the catalyst for humans, indeed, to become like God. They, when we know things, when we shift out of the state of being naked and not knowing it, and my my southern just came oh, out naked, naked and naked. not knowing it. <laughs> <Naked>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when we when we realize that we don't have on clothes and we need to have clothes on, right? That's like a stage of human development. But the serpent is the catalyst for people recognizing the difference between good and evil, uh, gaining the knowledge they, that they need to have. Um, so it's not a fall; it's not a fall at all. There's no sin in this story. There's humans becoming aware, and perhaps the serpent is the agent of change. Wow. Right.
3: I, I like. So, it. I, I will say. I will say that I don't think it's that desire is bad. I just think it's that desire gets twisted by the human capacity for good and evil. See, I don't think that knowledge is bad per se, but when we do have that knowledge, when we strive for that knowledge, it tends to be that which we can beat each other over the head with. And you're right. Sin is never mentioned until the fourth chapter when sin is knocking at Abel's door and he's going to kill, um, I mean, Cain's door and he's going to kill Abel. Right. Um, I just tried to rewrite the whole Bible. (laughs) (laughs) But, but then we, but then we also can't remove. I don't think we can remove the murder from this desire that we have. So I, I would say it's not a good or bad thing. It's simply a human thing, and and it can be a, a, an agent for change. Yes. The question then is, what do we do with that?
0: Yeah. No, knowledge and desire require maturity. Well, to Katie's point, um, that it,
2: it's not that The snake doesn't represent anything bad. The, the the snake is simply a change agent. And to, to 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 put this in context with what you just said, Matt about Cain and Abel, where's the fucking snake with in in that case? I mean, if if, if if the snake wanted to, you know, make a return appearance, a return engagement, that would be the moment. You know, surely a snake would show up and say, "Hey, you know, your brother's sacrificing better than you. You should
1: go kill him." Right. Where's the temptation there, yeah. Exactly. And it's not an outside... Yeah, it's, it's it, that's interesting, because in, in that case, in the, case in, in the story that actually does use the word sin for the first time in Genesis, which is about the first murder, it's not an external voice that comes to Cain and convinces him he needs to murder uh, his brother. It's something internal within internal. himself, right? Yep. Yeah. Maybe it was his own talking snake. <laughs> he had his own snake inside, yes. <laughs> Derek. Wait, does this <laughs> the, snake, boy. It, the, the snake the phallic imagery? I'm
0: just like it can it can relate to our whole series, Oda, yeah, yeah, The yeah, donkey yeah. porn, everything, well, but, right? <laughs> Des- desire when uncoupled with maturity. I, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think too, though, about because this is the
1: thing that's always been fascinating to me about the uh, the uh, Garden of Eden story is you know part of the serpent's temptation to Eve is this idea that when you eat of it, you will become like God. In fact, that's what God's afraid of. And it seems to be borne out because after they eat of it, you know, that's one of the things that God says to the others, you know, the counsel of God's right. They have, they have become like us knowing good and evil. And, um, but what I find fascinating about it is and like the thing that they're tempted by, or she, you know, Eve is tempted by, by the serpent is this idea that, oh, if you eat of it, then you will become like God. And it's like, well, I thought they already were. It kind of feels and, like and, a story. Yeah, they, they were made in the image of God. They were they were given, you know They
2: were never more godlike.
1: Right. No, exactly. And I that to me is the most frustrating thing about the story is that yep. it feels to me as if what the failure is to the failure of even Adam was to recognize that they already were like God. Because that idea that they would be like God is what's introduced by the serpent. God doesn't say that. God doesn't say if you eat this, you'll become like me. What God says is I made you in my image male and female. You're both already made in my image. You're both, is is there anything at all creation at that point in the story that is more like God than Adam and Eve,
0: pre-eating the fruit? No. So the image of God language is in Genesis 1. So if we keep Genesis 2 and 3 as a separate creation story, they're made from the dust of the earth. But not necessarily in the image of God. And like theologically, yes, I believe that we're all made in the image of God. I have you know, like no theological qualms with that at all. Um, but, you know, in the story, God is very anthropomorphic. Um, he, God comes and walks and talks, and he doesn't know things that, that humans know. And so in the story, I, I think that God, I mean, in the world of the story, in the self contained world of the story, I think God is threatened by human beings becoming like God. And what I love is that the author of the story is like, right. do it anyway. Do it anyway. It's still worthwhile, the journey. Uh, and that's what fascinates me. Um, you know, in, in talking about talking animals, talking animals are really popular in the world of folklore. So this, this talking serpent is not the first talking animal uh, in the ancient world. And this is a this is a theme that we have that continues on today. So I'm kind of curious for us, if this makes sense, um, where are talking animals, you know, we all mentioned Disney and we, we're singing a Weem Away uh, a few minutes ago, but like what, what purpose do talking animals serve in our kind of cultural stories today? Um, do they, are they catalysts of change? Do they, do they help humans become wiser? Like what, what function do they usually serve? You mean in general? Yeah, in general, like in our kind of in our stories now. Um, that's a good
1: question. I mean, I, my first impulse is just to say the talking animals. Most of the time we have talking animals. It's a Pixar or Disney film. You know, there's, you know, Finding Nemo, you got talking fish and, you know, Lion King, you have talking lions and, and whatever. So it, to me, it comes across very anthropomorphic. It's like, yes, I get it. It's a fish that's talking. We all know fish don't act like humans and they don't know. You know, they're making all these cultural references we can laugh about, but uh, ha ha. But obviously, we know, they have no idea what these things are. Um, so it feels to me very anthropomorphic. It's like, yes, I'm watching a movie about a talking animal, but the animal isn't talking the way I would talk or the way my people I know talk. Right. It's sort of like stepping away from humanity and sort of seeing it reflected in the animal kingdom in some way. Well, you know, um,
2: there's a book that I love called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, yeah. And, and one of the things he talks about is something being sticky, the stickiness of something. And, and I think that when we, when we do, um, talking animals in entertainment, that it creates a stickiness for, uh, for children to absorb some moral lesson. Or or something like that, because that's what you a, a lot of what you find. Uh, one of my favorite movies that, uh, and it's a favorite of my kids too, is uh, Over the Hedge. Oh,
1: I, know, and, I was just talking about that the other day with my mom. I love that movie.
2: And that that why, why, why they never made a sequel completely escapes me because it was like probably one of the best ever made. But it it talks about. The problem of suburban sprawl and and capitalism and hoarding and all of that and and there's, right. a, there's a a real yeah there you go uh, so but it, there, there's a very deep message there, and the stickiness my kids still understand that they still draw on that and they and they think about like their their own suburban experience right and and how you know they 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 they're thinking of ways how how do they escape from that or how do they uh, transform that that existence because of the lessons that they learn from that, or say like finding Nemo or any of these other um, uh, kid movies that uh, talking animals I, I mean I think that there's I actually believe that that the authors of the Bible were onto something there in the stickiness of talking animals that's my yeah
0: because it, it's it's unexpected, and they say things that maybe a human it wouldn't right. have as much impact. If humans said it, and so even though we use talking animals, and we have talking animals in children's stories. Those stories have elements of folklore and of fable mm-hmm. yeah. and of wisdom yeah. in them. You know, so I'm kind of curious. And the one I'm thinking of, gosh, I don't know if this is everyone of a certain age and uh, older, it might resonate with. But I'm thinking of the old animated, um, oh Hollywood yeah, the fox,
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, movie oh, with foxes, right. and yeah, like everyone's a fox, right? But like. Um, some, something about that just really appealed to me um, as a kid. But even even more than that, I think it's the stories where it's mostly humans and then an animal comes in and says something. Mm-hmm. So like the little mermaid yeah. is a good example. Like Flounder yeah. or Sebastian are either comedic relief or their little wisdom or there's something like that talking to the... I'm I'm putting humans in quotes here, talking to the yeah. mermaids, yeah. I guess, in the story, the somewhat Half human, human <laughs> no. humanistic Quasi-human. Uh, <laughs> characters. <laughs> Quasi-human, right? Uh, but you know, in that sense, the talking serpent in the garden is giving a little bit of wisdom. Like, if you do this, you will be like God. Yeah, cool. Like, that's is that a negative? No, I I don't want to be naked in a garden. I'm much happier with my life here on Earth, as messy and complicated as it is.
3: Isn't there something to the fact that the uh, the the serpent does lie a little bit, right? Because the the prohibition originally is don't eat from it, and he's like, well, didn't didn't God say? not to touch it? And it's like, right. no. He didn't that, say that. No, nope. But then Never. Eve corrects him, but then she makes her own lie, doesn't she? Right. So it's kind of this this mimetic part of it that I can't help but notice.
0: Well, like, okay, so I'm reading it. So verse three, the serpent's more crafty than any other wild animal. Right. And he said to the woman, did God say, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman says, yes, we may not eat of any fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, so nor She shall has you touch that. it, she or you that. will die. So she, yeah, she asked right. the, you shall not touch. But it. But
2: here's the thing: how did how did how did the serpent get the memo that a human
3: didn't? He was spying. He was crafty. He was like he's sneaking crafty. up on God and was like, "What's what's God he writing? He's right. writing? He's writing e- a rule. He's eavesdropping.
0: He was uh, probably
3: he was probably uh,
0: hanging out that tree, sir. So, Maybe the serpent's already. Oh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you know yeah. what? Oh, oh, wow. oh, this, oh, damn! Look, that's wow.
1: that's the missing part of the story that would make it so much more awesome. Hold on, where's, where's like, the sound five, effect? The heresy yeah. sound
2: effect. It needs to be right there. Okay, okay.
1: In <laughs> the director's cut, five minutes before, <laughs> the serpent is just some dumb serpent. He's circling around. He ate a couple of mice. Climbs up the tree and he takes a bite of that tree of uh, that that exact fruit. All of a sudden, he goes ding, and he knows to good and evil. And then all now, it's like, hey, and then he goes to tempt Eve. Dude, now that makes so much more
2: sense. Well, what if what if, what if it's not temptation at all? Like oh Katie said, what, what if serpent the serpent is just coming
1: <laughs>
2: what, what if the serpent is just sharing some information?
3: I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say that before we move on to the. Uh, I'll say this before we move on to the talking asses. That maybe the fruit is really mushrooms because i tell you what when i took mushrooms i swear to god i saw a talking snake really what did he say i it wasn't audible it was just like this crazy experience that i could if i wrote if i wrote a mythology based on it it would probably look a lot like this be like some crazy enlightening this is how you open and expand your mind and it was uncomfortable and all this shit and and at in the moment the serpent had a a very negative connotation. But looking back, it was like, no, I needed to have that experience to, to learn something. So maybe the tree, the tree and the fruit is really mm. maybe some mushrooms. And maybe that's why we, you know, I, there's all these different, I, I don't remember which uh, historians make, make the claims that early Christianity had a lot to do with mushrooms. But
0: uh.
1: Yeah, I know. There, there are some books like
0: that. Well, early Christianity certainly has a lot to do with the interpretation of the fall. Like that, you don't find that in Jewish interpretations. You don't find that, I mean, you don't really find that until like Augustine, that this is about sin.
1: You make me also curious too, like as we're talking about talking animals in the Bible, I mean, as far as I know, I've only read the Quran like once. I don't think the Quran has talking animals, does it?
2: Uh, You know what? I I want to say that it does. I want to say that it does.
3: Well, in Hinduism, in Hinduism, monkeys build a bridge, so it's 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 out it's out there in different religions.
1: So I guess you know here I, this brings me to the, to the thing too, like about how you know it's odd to me, like because so Christians hear these stories about talking snakes and talking talking donkeys, that we're going to get to in a second, and and we just kind of go, well, yeah, of course, oh yeah, Jonah swallowed by a whale and lived in the inside the whale for three days. Well, well, yeah, of course, that really happened. But then then when Christians, the same Christians. You know, if you tell them, hey, you know, in the Quran, it says that, you know, Muhammad was riding his horse and he, and he and the horse jumped off this rock and flew up into heaven. They'll just laugh and cackle and go, oh, who can believe something that stupid? Well, I mean, but you believe in talking donkeys without even batting an eye. But so, like, because it's not your faith tradition, it's ridiculous and who could ever believe something so stupid? And it's almost like this blind spot that like so many Christians have, I think, that Especially the literalists, right, where, oh, well, the Bible says it happened, so it must have happened that way. Like, well, yeah, but, you know, other—you'll you laugh at other, like, books, other other religions that have like—or like, you know, what's the one the, the theres one faith tradition, I think, uh, that's, that believes that uh, the earth was formed by, like, some turtles or something. And again— yeah, they it's, yeah, yeah, it's a Yeah, and this, yeah, and you'll just laugh about that. Oh, stupid people! Or they come up with this thing about some giant turtle stuff. It's like, yeah, but you believe again that uh, one guy took a job over an ass and killed like ten thousand people.
0: Like, okay, so I'm going to throw another wrinkle in here. We can talk about donkeys, but. The seraphs in the Bible, like, right, yeah, different donkeys. Uh, Seraphs in the Bible, you know, the grand angels in the book of Isaiah, and then again in the book of Revelation. Uh, The translation of seraph is most likely a fiery snake. So we think of seraphs as being very humanoid, but most likely they were more like snakes with wings of fire, Freaks my shit! Oh yeah, I'm
2: tired of all these motherfucking snakes in this scary. motherfucking
0: Bible. <laughs> right, but it is a very dramatic image to think of, like snakes with wings of fire being around the throne of Yahweh. Well,
2: that's, that's that goes back to the uh, the fiery serpents of Moses, right? Because they, 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 I, I, yeah. I, I'd imagine these serpents that they were flying serpents; they weren't just serpents on the ground. I mean, this, there was something to this. These serpents have mobility that normal snakes didn't have.
3: Or snakes on a plane.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or snakes that were a plane. <laughs> i watch that Yeah, movie. So but you know what? I'm tempted now to be like, if we can get to a certain amount on Patreon, I'll watch snakes on a plane.
1: That, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's I've never challenge. seen it either. There you go. It's going to have yeah. to be
0: like twenty thousand dollars a month. 20, but yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, twenty thousand dollars,
1: and I'll no, watch it naked.
0: There, I'll take some of Matt's mushrooms and then watch snakes on plane. See yeah. where it goes. Yeah.
1: Hey, there's there, there's always weed, Katie. Are, so we, are we going? Do we have time to get to the talking donkey? Oh, uh, we have to get to the talking yeah. donkey. We
0: got to get to it.
1: So Balaam, by the way, just real quick, um, when I I always wanted, I always wanted to start a Christian band and call ourselves Balaam's Ass. That was my dream that I never got to fulfill. But I would
0: love Life I wanted, Is yeah. long, Keith. You got know. some time. Maybe one day. But I
1: wanted, I wanted to have it.
3: a band. We can do a postal service thing and just send each other some tracks and put it this together. Is, you
0: know, I true do story.
2: It. I know I know a pastor that preached from this from this passage, and the, and the title of the message was Get Your Ass in Gear. I'm <laughs> not kidding. I love it's
0: it. not bad. I
1: shit, you
3: not. <laughs> yep. He was trying to be so edgy. Yeah, he was.
1: So so this story, this, this other story, right? So is this in Numbers, right? It's in Numbers uh, 22. So Balaam is like a, uh, he's kind of a, lame, he's sort of a profit for hire, right? If anybody comes to him with, Profit yeah, for profit. Profit for profit, yeah. Anybody that comes to him, you know, they can, can pay the retainer um, for hire. Yeah, I'm your guy. And what do you want me to say? Oh yeah, I can say that. No problem. Uh, so he's he's kind of a shifty guy already. And there's a story, right, where he has been hired to go and curse- uh, the Jewish people and, um, he's on his donkey and he's on his way to do that. And this giant angel of the Lord with a sword is standing in the way to kill him. And his donkey, his ass, uh, his donkey that he's riding, uh, can see it. No one else can see it. By the way, this is fascinating because, you know, some people think cats and dogs can see spirits and things. So this is sort of like, maybe, you know, cause the donkey noticed the animals notice The spirit and the angels and things, but they, you know, no one else seems to notice it. So he tries to get out of the way, runs his, runs against the wall, runs his leg against the wall and, and, uh, Balaam's pissed off. Like, Hey, my donkey's drunk. What's going on? This donkey's out of his mind. He starts beating the donkey and the donkey turns to him and says, Hey dude, I'm trying to save your ass, your ass. I'm the ass trying to save your ass. From this giant angel standing it, right it, in the it, road. In other words, did did Balaam smack that ass? <laughs> See, he, he tapped that ass or smacked it or something. <laughs> um, this isn't the porn one. It is oh, sorry, it's not just, the porn the one. Is over. It's okay. Oh come on, guys. <laughs> okay, so, it's porn. It's no, funny. It's this, this, this one. This one is not porn. It is not porn. Uh, <sighs> but the, but in this one, the talking donkey is like um, the hero of the story, right? Because the talking donkey, he's trying to save the master, even though the master is beating him. You know what you could say? In a way, Balaam, Balaam's ass is like a Christ figure. Even yep. though he's being tortured and beaten by the same people he's trying to save, he doesn't get angry, he forgives. He still tries Are to save his kidding? life.
0: I would say, I would make a case, Balaam's ass is a Christ figure. The donkey uh. is mad. The donkey's mad in the story. Um Right the well, so, like, hey, My so wife, is Donkey sometimes. that you've ridden all your day to this life? Have I been in the habit of treating you this way? I think I think it's a sarcastic little little ass. <laughs> like you jack you jackass? Why are you beating me? <laughs> I d I, I don't see it as a penitential uh tone. Well, not
1: completely, but there's something in there where the donkey is trying to save the guy even though the guy's beating him up. So that's you all. Know
2: what I, I think. I think that the Shrek story is really an, an extrapolation. I
1: agree of I the think, Balaam story. I, I, I really it is, do believe. I it. do. I think. It, I think it's not very subtle. I think I just watched it recently, yep. and it, it sort of suggested there are some, even some biblical characters when they're rounding up the fairy tale characters. Yep. There are some biblical kind of characters in the background there, mm-hmm. and then so when you have the talking donkey, it almost is like, oh, this is Balaam's
0: ass. Yeah. So if the if we're kind of going with a the folklore theme. And, you know, talking animals are part of themes of folklore. I think part of the hysteria, and sometimes I think they serve as foils just to be funny as well. But I think there is some funny uh, in the story. Um, I I see the donkey as as actually just being mad. Like, why the hell are you beating me? This is ridiculous. But when, uh, when the donkey sees the angel of the Lord and Balaam doesn't, Balaam shows no surprise at all that the donkey talks to him like the whole thing is just funny to me he's like "Yeah, let's carry on a conversation that's normal they just continue talking there's no moment where he's like oh I can hear animals talk (laughs) he's just accepts it as commonplace they go on and have a conversation about it so I'm kind of like I'm just kind of curious like what what might be the donkey representing here if it's not a literal story
2: I don't know. I, I'm with Keith on the type of shadow of Christ. There. I mean, I, I, this is the first time I've heard that, and and that actually resonates with me.
0: I'm not okay. I need someone to explain it. Like, how is this donkey like Christ? And I'm I'm you, you all know I'm allergic to reading Christ in the Old Testament. Totally allergic to it. Sure. <laughs> like completely allergic to it. So I I'm already like like Keith in the beginning. I'm I'm already resistant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm already resistant to this kind of interpretation, but I'm trying to be open. Well. This is a deep
1: theological concept, Katie, that I just came up with about four and a half minutes ago. Yeah, so let me the, try. <laughs> let, me, let me try to explain it. So I know it's 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 real. It's very tenuous. I agree. I'm, I, hey, I don't, that's I don't the know.
2: The title of your book, Jesus Unsaddled.
1: There you go. But <laughs> but I mean, I guess it, only very narrowly in the sense that. Um, the donkey is the servant of the man. Jesus Mm -hmm. was a servant and he's serving his master and the guy is beating him. And, and even though the guy is beating him, because I think there's more than one beating before he turns and finally says, Hey, dummy, I'm trying to save you. So I get, he's got some attitude. I I understand. unlike Jesus, he's not the... He's not the suffering servant who doesn't open his mouth, and is the lamb living to slaughter. It's not. The, it's not that much part of it. But Jesus had it, attitude
3: too, though. He
2: did, sure. Yeah, Jesus had. I mean, you know, think about his his uh the, with the Samaritans, right? Jesus had his faith. His face turned to Jerusalem, sure. and, and because of that, he couldn't deal with the deal properly with the Samaritans. So, so Jesus had some attitude too.
1: Yeah, I, I guess, so I see the the Christ figure in Balaam's donkey. Only in the sense that he's being beaten by the very people, like you know, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do, right? Jesus is dying for these people, and they're and killing him, they're mocking him, and he's saving them anyway. He's saving them because exactly. the
0: donkey, where is the donkey, purposefully saving? He's running out of the way. He's he's avoiding the angel. of The Lord. and trying him? to kill him. Yeah, he's
1: trying to avoid the angel.
0: He's not doing it. I don't see it. I don't see him doing it to save the man. No, he's, he's doing it because he's a donkey and he's scared. Like, like the angel going to kill him.
1: The angel's not going to kill the donkey. No, exactly. The,
2: the, the, I don't think the donkey had any fear himself. I think no. that the donkey was trying to save Israel yes. because he's a servant. Yes. right? He's a servant. I, I mean, I, I, geez,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on this. Sorry, you know what? I have now become an apologist. For the phantom's ass is Jesus.
2: Which is why
1: Jesus picked a donkey to ride on
2: going into Jerusalem. God damn it. Right.
3: That's exactly right. That's the article to get us tomorrow.
0: <laughs> the, the irony is like I love donkeys. Like I think I think they're great, and in Ireland I see them all the time. So I was on this. I was on a walk a couple like a week ago. And everything's you know like fences are really close to the road. It was this little one lane road, and uh, there were two donkeys there, and they both had the cross on their back. And there's a whole legend about the donkey with a oh, cross yeah. on the back, and oh, the yeah. descendants are the you know ones who carried Christ to the Christ into Jerusalem. And I was like, oh, it's such a sweet donkey, and I reached over and scratched its head. And when I got home, uh, my Joe, my spouse, was like, you can't pet random people's animals what? across fences. And I was like, well, he was right there. Like, he was a donkey, a crossback donkey. Obviously, he needed to be petted. So I petted right. him. Of course, right there. So we have this disagreement about who can pet whose animals. Well, I,
1: yeah, I've always been raised not to touch somebody else's ass. So he might have something to do there.
2: It's basic basic politeness there, you know, don't touch that ass.
1: <laughs> don't touch somebody else's ass. And
0: yeah. But the donkey does seem to serve as a foil for um, Balaam's lack of conscience, right? Yeah. I lack of being able to see. Like the donkey, ironically, the donkey can see that which the prophet can't see. Like the prophet should be able to see the angel yes. of the Lord and can't see him. So the donkey, like we have to rely on the donkey's being the the voice of reason here.
1: Is it is it sort of like the thing of like we would say today like even a trained monkey can do it like even a talking donkey could tell that this is you know you're doing the wrong thing Balaam and you can't see it if God
2: can use
0: Balaam's ass he can use your your ass, ass. <laughs> so I feel like I should bring up this inscription. Um, that this is, this is new to me just in my research for this. I found this. I really didn't know this before, but it's the, uh, Deir Allah inscription and it's found in Jordan and it mentions also a, uh, Balaam. And so it seems like there was a Balaam kind of figure in the uh, what we now call the Holy Land, um, who was this prophet kind of figure? So I kind of wonder if this story is a little bit like what in uh, English mythology we would call like Jack and Jill stories, like folk, la- sto- folk tale stories. So we have um, the story about like Jack and the Beanstalk, but that was one Jack story among a bunch of Jack stories. That's just the most famous one that comes down to us today. Um, and so, like, or Jack and Jill, like there's a bunch of Jack stories. So this Balaam story from this inscription at uh, Deir Allah uh, is interesting because it mentions the Balaam uh, character who's a prophet. It talks about Shaddai, kind of like El Shaddai. It talks about Elohim. So it has a lot of the same kind of tone as some of the Old Testament story. There's no exact parallel. But it mentions in here, uh, I'll read it, Uh, It's very fragmentary, so you kind of have to roll with the punches a little bit, but it mentions all these animals distress and trouble, the chicks of the heron, sparrow, and clusters of eagles, pigeons and birds, and a rod where there are ewes, uh, there shall be brought the staff, hares, feed together freely, drink asses and hyenas. So we have this association of Balaam again with. Uh, asses or with donkeys uh, and with other animals in this story so it seems like the bible also might this story in numbers might be drawing on a larger motif Mm -hmm. about Balaam as a prophet and maybe animals
1: so so is it still this is another example right of um how judaism and not just judaism but i think a lot of religions of the day would sort of co opt other stories from other cultures and re modify them, right? So that's where so there's many flood stories. There's lots of Jonah type stories. There's, I think it's um, less
0: co opting than they're all drawing from a common source. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. they're all from a geographically similar place. Yeah, right, so, right, right. So you, I mean. you, yeah. I mean. you you, you yeah. have to yeah. you'd have to assume some cross pollinization of stories. But it's like
1: right? these guys over here have their version of the story. You yeah. know, we like that story, but let me tell you the story in my with our little spin on it, right?
3: Uh, yeah, and they're going to make a they're going to try to emphasize something that that kind of. Whatever they're trying to say, they're going to not twist it. Twist is the wrong word, but they're going to adapt it to fit what point they're trying to make.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of like we do with the Bible today. I mean, (laughs) we have the same text and we all adapt it to our different interpretations and understandings and meanings.
2: Maybe that's why they call call the word assume.
1: Assume,
2: Uh, yeah.
3: Assume. Uh, where's, oh, yeah. the yeah, where's the trouble? Where's the trouble? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thank
1: you. There it is. a Little late. Uh, Wake uh, up. Wake uh, up, uh, producer. Come, come on. on.
3: Come on. Jump in there. What do you have? Amateur hour at the producer's wait. desk. <laughs> what do you have? No sleep from that kid. Come on now. Yeah. yeah well, um I, I I loved this series. I will tell you that. The uh, I think. We had to cut it at four, but I think shit the Bible says could have gone on for about a year. Worth part two. Of- yeah, are, yeah, part well, two well, coming. Like the, we, like the parables, we'll have to circle back.
0: Yeah, yeah, we didn't even get to the New Testament, so this, was no. all part, this is part one. But okay. all, that's, all that really happened, all that's true. All, all, so, all that's totally reasonable, yeah. That's why it's different.
3: Okay, okay Keith, okay. Well, anyway, before we <laughs> land this puppy, uh, before we land this ship, as I've said before, we have a website. It is heretichappyhour.com. And at that website, not only do we have T-shirts and hats and pillows to troll your evangelical friends, we have a bookstore. So if you've heard any of our Heretics of the Week, minus Gerard and Marcion and Servetus and even Mary Magdalene, our our living Heretics of the Week have books for sale, and they are 15% off, generally speaking. So if you go to heretichappyhour.com, click the bookstore, and uh, do yourself some shopping, you can get some Christmas gifts before that season arrives. Buy our shit! Did
0: you say even Mary Magdalene?
3: Well, she didn't write a book, did mm-hmm.
0: she? There's well, a book about it. a very, very short book. She very short book. The, the,
2: the Gospel of Mary.
3: Come on, Mary yeah. Yeah. Be, well,
0: the book, the book she wrote can be on a pillow, like the whole thing. Yes, they really good. We, <laughs> we just, yeah, let's do that. Make a t-shirt all right so everyone we would love to see you in our free open to all heretics facebook group heresy after hours we've got 2300 fabulous heretics just like you having really really fun stimulating heretical conversations about onan seed about talking animals about uh shit bread and about (coughs) porn Porn, donkey porn as well. Uh, so yeah, come there. Find us, Heresy After Hours. Uh, you, you can talk all the shit you want uh, in our
1: Facebook group. It's really fun. That's right. And you know, if you love the Heritage Happy Hour podcast, and you know what? If you're listening this far, you really do. I know you do. And so you should uh, jump over to Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Heritage Happy Hour and become a supporter financially of the podcast. Uh, not only will you win our undying support and a free ticket out of the fires of hell, um you will also unlock so many beautiful sweet and amazing gifts that i can't even list them all here for you um but go check it out and uh, we have different tiers different levels uh, but at every level you will get some really cool stuff that uh, and you'll also get to support the podcast that you love the most and by the way if you already support us we love you and we thank you so so very much and
2: if you love the heretic happy hour podcast we would love for you to go out iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And I promise that if you go out and give us a five-star rating, you won't have to worry about an ass talking
3: to you in your sleep.
1: Unless you're taking mushrooms. I
3: wouldn't know anything about that.